hopefully this is going to help you. I'm in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to start in verse 28, and we're going to read through verse 31. This is really good. It says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall fail and faint, and they will be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on, is there anybody thankful for that promise today? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Man, I need this in my life. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for heaven's strength that is here in this room and available to us today. Thank you, God. Through your word, we are going to be challenged, encouraged, and changed for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen. I, uh, the other day, I was, I was having an argument with the Lord. And um, I figure, I figure it, it's, it's better than having an argument with, with Monica because, you know, at least God doesn't audibly talk back to me. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> He's, he seems to listen, but he very often, uh, he, he doesn't. He, he tries to say things back, and what he was trying to say back the other day, I was not wanting to hear. Have you ever been like telling the Lord something, and you were hoping that he would just agree with you and cuddle you? <laughs> um, and he didn't. He actually convicted you and challenged you, and he did this to me the other day. I was, I was praying. I was, saying, I was reminding him of stuff that you know, he'd either promised through his word or I had felt like he had made promises to me and things he said and some things that are happening. And, and I'm just going to God, well, you said, well, you said. And I got really quiet for a moment. And uh, I don't, again, I don't hear an audible voice when, when God speaks to me. It's either he speaks to me through scripture or he speaks to me through a mentor or something like that. But very often he'll speak to me kind of in my, in my spirit. I feel like he's saying something to me. Um, and I felt like he was saying to me the other day, he was saying, Stop fighting against me. And I was like, I'm not fighting against you. Like, I'm working really hard for you right now. Like, I'm actually probably under more pressure right now than I've ever been in, in my leadership. Like, I'm, I'm doing my best for you. I'm out here, I'm out here crushing it for you, Lord. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he said, there's a difference between working with me and working for me and fighting against me. Right now, you are, you are fighting against me and you're working for me because you are not working with me. And I was, I was really challenged by that because um, I've, uh, I very often can go long periods of time without needing a break without needing, um, without needing people with, in, in the sense of just like needing people to come around me and support me and encourage me. I, I can go a very long time without all of that stuff. I can go a long time without actually going to church to just go to church. I do it for weeks at a time. I don't, I don't ever get to really just come to church and come to church. Like during the worship, I'm like analyzing everything and everybody and everything that's happening and 
I see every mistake. I, I, and then I get up and I'm, I'm preaching to you. And so um, I'm used to going long periods of times without fear, feeling like I'm, I'm receiving. But this was different. And uh, this was different. And so I, I went to this verse of scripture and God really pointed this out to me. He said, strength is increased for those that wait on the Lord, not those that work for the Lord. And so there was something kind of shifting in my perspective. And it took me a couple days to get it. Like God was actually just talking about me being with him. Not to get a message. Uh, not, to, not to learn something in particular. But just to be with him. To just spend time with him and be refreshed in his presence. Just to, just to know him. You know what I'm saying? Just to, just to know him. Just to hang out with him. It's like going on a date without an agenda. You know, sometimes when you're married, you go on dates so that you can get together and talk about what's going on in your family. You find yourself at this fancy restaurant and you're talking about the kids. Like you're talking about your schedule and you're talking about your plans. And, and most of my time with the Lord is like talking about schedule, talking about plans, talking about vision, talking about, and God was just like, I just want to be with you. I just want to see you and spend time with you. I, I don't want to fill the space with all of this stuff and all of these things that you have, and all of these ideas. I just want to spend time with you. And he said, so if you'll wait on me, then I will increase your strength. And he really challenged me to, to write down a list of things I do that actually put me in a position to fight against him. And so I made a list, and it's actually 13 things. But I don't have time to tell you all 13. And most of them are very, very personal and intimate, and Monica would not approve. <laughs> she would kill me for some of these things that I do. But I want to give you five of them today, if that's okay. I want to give you five because I think if these, these are issues that I'm dealing with, and just to let you know, people come to me all the time, and they're like, you must have a recording device in my house because you say things that I'm dealing with and going through. You must be watching me. No, I'm not. I'm not watching you, I promise. I'm not a weirdo. I don't do that. Like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in your house. I don't have an ear in your house. I'm not talking to your kids and, like, give me the insider information on your house so I can really minister to your parents. Like, I don't do any of that. I basically preach to you what I'm going through. And as a human being, I figure I'm probably going through some of the same stuff <laughs> that you're going through. And so I made this list. I put this list together. And the first one that really kind of highlights to me in a way I'm fighting against God and not just being with God is so much of my time is spent living for approval, first thing. So much of what I do is for the approval of other people. And it's exhausting. Can I be honest? It's exhausting. Over these past few weeks, no matter what it's been about, whether it's been the pandemic, COVID, or, or it's been the issues of, of racism or, or injustice or, or with the police. Do you, do, you, do you know that for some people in this room, I've said too much? For some people, I haven't said enough. And do you know they let me know? <laughs> they let me know. They let me know. And, and there's this part of me that wants everybody to like me. And if you live that way, if you live for the approval of other people, then you will die from their rejection. Rick Warren said this. He said, so if you live your life, if, if you post what you post and preach what you preach and live how you live 
so that other people will be satisfied and happy and approve of you, then you will be exhausted. You will not be able to really live your life. That's why in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul said, he said, I am not seeking the approval of men, only God. If I were trying to please men, I couldn't serve God. So in other words, if I was trying to please all of you guys, I couldn't really, I couldn't really pass through this church. Because I got people in the room today, it's too hot, it's too cold. I got people in the room today, music's too loud, it's not loud enough. I got people in the room today who are Republicans and Democrats. There are white people in this room and black people in this room. There are people who love the police and people who don't in this room. I've got people from all different walks of life. And if I spend my time trying to make all of y'all like me, I'm going to die. And I would challenge all of you to stop living your life trying to make everybody like you. It will never work. You're never going to get there. Don't live for people's approval. Live for God's approval alone. Paul is, Paul is like, the way he uses this and phrases this, it's like, it's like you can't do both. You either have to make up your mind that you're going to live for God's approval or man's. It's like the Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. Because at the end of the day, you're either going to love one and hate the other, but you cannot love both. You can't do it. You can't sort of live for God's approval and sort of live for man's approval. You have to fully live for God's approval. And if you build your life on the approval of others, it's going to come crumbling down at some point. Because maybe... Maybe your issue isn't that everybody dislikes you. Maybe your issue is that everybody likes you. But eventually somebody's going to come along that dislikes you. And if you've built your life on the fact that everybody likes you, then when somebody dislikes you, your whole world is going to come crumbling down. I'm going to give you this advice. You're not as bad as your worst enemy thinks you are. But you're not as good as your best friend thinks you are. Come on, man. See, we love that. Yeah, 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 my critics, they're, they're liars. The critics, they lie about me. Haters. Yeah, we love that. But when we say, hey, you're not as good as your best friend praises you either. Sometimes it's like when you're watching those singing shows and you're just wishing someone had a real friend that told them you cannot sing before they got on national television and embarrassed themselves and their entire family. Until you're, you're somewhere in the middle. My papa used to say it like this. I'd say, how you doing? He'd be like, fair to middling. I'm not too great, not too bad, somewhere in the middle. But if you live your life based on other people's opinion of you, you will, you will lose your life when people don't carry that same opinion of you. In 2 Samuel 23, David, he's surrounded by the Philistines. He's sitting there and he's, he's, he's wanting, the Bible says, a drink of water from a well near the gate at Bethlehem. And he says it out loud. He says, man, if I could just, if I could just get a drink of water from that, that well near the gate in Bethlehem. And three of his mightiest men hear it. Three of his best friends hear it. 
The Bible says they risk their lives. They go through the Philistine camp. They get to this well. They get a drink for David. They bring it back to him. And when they give it to him, the Bible says David takes it and he pours it out. Wow. Why? Because David refused to build his life on something that didn't belong to him. See, your haters lie, but your praisers do too. Because praise doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. David recognized, I am, I am not worth these men putting their lives on the line like this. So he pours it out. He says, this belongs to God and to God alone. Oh, man. That's messing with some of us right now. Because we think we would be, we, we think we would be, we would have more self-esteem if we just got more praise. Sadly, no. Because you would be taking something that belongs to God. And you cannot build your life on something that belongs to God alone. If there is anything good about me, it's not me. If there's anything great about my life, it's not me. It's the God who loves me and gave himself for me and empowers me to do anything good. Oh, man, the Bible says there isn't really a good person in the earth. Not one. So if there's anything good that you see, it's not because of me. It's because of the God I serve. Man, that's my self-defeating behavior number one. Second one. And this one's going to be fun because I think we're all right here. Not just dads and not just, you know, men, but I think all of us are, are, are right here right now. I fight against God and I war against myself when I, when I keep defending my position. This is a self-defeating behavior. I don't, have to, I don't have to defend my position to anybody. When I first started pastoring this church, I was, I was so concerned because I was young and my dad was the previous pastor. And so I had this assumption that people were like, oh, he's only there because of his dad. He, you know, he's only in this role because of who his dad is. And, and some people were saying that and some people, you know, didn't like that. And, and that was fine. And, but I, but I, was, I was letting it affect me. And so I felt like I had to constantly defend my role and defend my place and defend who I was and prove to you that I was worth holding this position. Until I realized that my dad didn't actually give it to me, God did. And so I don't have to defend what God does in my life. I don't have to defend who I am, where I am, and what God has done and the grace that God has had in my life. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, he said, be strong in the grace that God has put on your life. Be strong in it. Walk tall in it. Your shoulders back and your chest out and your head held high. Know who you are and stand and you don't have to defend it to anybody. 
Did my dad give this to me? Absolutely. My heavenly father gave it to me. I don't have to defend it to you. I don't have to defend it to anybody else. I'm not up here because I'm more talented than you. I'm not up here because I deserve it more than you. God knows I've made as many mistakes as any of y'all. But I am up here today because God's grace is on my life to do this. I don't have to defend my position to anybody anywhere. I'm here by the grace of God. And if you would just realize that about your life, you are who you are by the grace of God of God. I don't have to defend my position. And it puts me in another position where another defensive position is when I think I'm totally right about everything. I fight against God, not only when I try to defend where I am, but when I try to defend what I think. Let me give you a verse right now that's going to really help you. I think it's going to apply to everybody in this room. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Does that not like really define social media right now? Just media in general? Nobody is really about listening. Everybody is about expressing their opinion and defending their position here's here's why you're so tired you're so tired because you're living for other people's approval and you're tired because your need to win makes you feel defeated (laughs) sometimes i'm tired because i'm wrong and being wrong is exhausting Because when you're wrong, man, you feel like you have to defend your position. I've taken my stand. And now I have to defend it. And the Bible teaches us, man, you don't, have to, you don't have to defend your position. You don't have to explain why you're there. And you don't have to defend your opinions. Can I tell you this? You don't even have to defend God. The moment you jump in and try to... Here's God. Bigger than this building. Bigger than this world. Here you are jumping in front of God like, I got this. (laughs) And we're out here, keyboard warriors. Text war. Defend God. You don't have to defend God. God can defend himself. Like the Bible teaches that we should defend the faith. There's a big difference in defending God and defending the faith. Really, that's just really all it's talking about is standing for the truth that is Jesus. Like, like, like there's a lot of stuff we can disagree over. But one thing that's gonna, I'm going to stand up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's, I'm just going to, I'll die on that hill. But I'm not going to die on whether or not you're supposed to speak in tongues when you get filled with the Holy Ghost hill. Yeah. 
Oh, man, I'm getting into some stuff right now. I can sense it. Can you sense it? I can sense like the email spirit just coming up right now. The, what's his email address? I just sense it like rising in their soul. I sense it like I know the perfect thing to say on Facebook when I get back home. I, I sense like I sense defending my Proverbs 11 and 14 says where there's no guidance a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. One of the things I've been doing lately is like is whatever I think challenging that with someone who thinks different than me. So I've been calling pastors and leaders and people in my life that can help me see things in a way that maybe I have not considered them before. Why? Because I need counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. One of the reasons you're so tired is because you are your only counselor. Man, third thing I do, (laughs) and it has a lot to do with defending my position, is I find myself fighting the wrong enemy. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He doesn't say, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of your mother-in-law. <laughs> Some of y'all think that God is actually going to supernaturally empower you to fight better fights with your spouse. Like you think that God's going to, God, give me wisdom. Why? I need to defeat her in an argument is what I need, is what I need right now. <laughs> so when we make the wrong enemies and we fight the wrong things and we fight people, we actually are fighting against God because God said they are not your problem. I don't care where you stand on any of the issues right now, but I do care that you make the fight about people. Because people are not your problem. They are your mission. Especially the ones you don't like. They're your mission right now. (laughs) And when you make a person your problem, you fight against God. Because guess what? The same God who loves you and has a plan for you and defends you, loves them, has a plan for them, and defends them. And so when you fight them, you don't fight them. You fight the God who loves them and defends them. And if he has to defend them against you, he'll do it. Do you realize that God loves other people just as much as he loves you? Even the ones you don't like? Even the ones you disagree with right now? I had to get over, I had to go, number one, I had to go living for people's approval because I had to get to this point because I had to convince myself I wasn't worried about your approval so I could actually preach this point right here. (laughs) You're fighting the wrong battles and you're so tired because you are fighting God. When you start fighting people, you fight God. Because the very people you dislike and the very people you don't think you know, are, are good or, or, or deserving or lovable. Or, those are the same people that God created just like he created you. He was knitting them together in their mother's womb just like he was you. 
He's, he's got a plan for them just like he does you. So stop fighting people. You're just fighting God. Ephesians says, you have an enemy. It's the devil. It's principalities and powers. It's the things, it's the darkness that is over our community that's making all of these issues divide us in the first place. Our enemy is the devil. The reason there's unity in this church right now, while a lot of churches are experiencing an incredible amount of disunity and disharmony, the reason there is unity right now, the reason people are going to pull in this parking lot today and have a Biden sticker on their car, and people are going to pull in this parking lot and have a Trump 2020 sticker on their car, the reason there are black people and white people in this room today, old and young, poor and rich, is because we realize that even though we might have some disagreements out there, our common enemy is not the people who vote this way or... Our enemy is the devil who wants to kill you, your kids, destroy your family, rob you of your legacy and your future, but you're worried about Sally on Facebook? The devil is your problem. Democrats aren't your problem. Republicans aren't your problem. The devil is your problem. And all of this is a distraction by the devil. To make us think that you're my issue. You're not my issue. If we can come together and realize he is our issue. He is a defeated foe with no power. The only thing that gives him any authority in a situation is division. That's the only thing that works. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Doesn't matter how much you love God if you hate people. I would challenge you and say, if you say you love God, but you hate people, you really don't love God. So stop fighting the wrong battles. Stop fighting the wrong enemy. Saul, who was the king before David became king. Saul, the Bible says, was tormented by an evil spirit. And David is sitting there and he is playing his instrument, trying to help Saul. David, who is the greatest warrior the world has probably ever seen, is trying to help Saul. Saul, being tormented by an evil spirit, what does he do? He picks up a javelin, and he throws it at David. Isn't it an amazing thing how we can be tormented by an evil spirit, but we throw javelins at people? And that's what we're doing right now. And it needs to stop. If you want strength, it needs to stop. If you want God's strength, it needs to stop because God will only empower his agenda. Not yours. Man. Think about this. Even if someone has hurt you, when you get them back, you actually steal something from God. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Well, Rob, it depends on what the word never actually means. 
I mean, right, it's not in, it can't mean never, because, I mean, there are obviously situations where, no, it says never. You want to know one of the reasons you're drained? You're drained because you're obsessed with revenge. We live in a culture that's obsessed with revenge. Oh, man, I, I love a revenge movie. Like Taken. Like just something about like the dad's daughter, she gets kidnapped and not only does he just go get her back, she survives, but he kills like hundred people in the process. Oh man, I love that. Like I, I, I love the guys that got killed that were just sitting in the room. Like I didn't take your daughter and boom, you're dead too. Oh Yeah. Take them, take them all out. <laughs> Sometimes I'm the guy, like, on the edge of Sodom and Gomorrah, like, yeah, get them, God. Yeah, burn them up, God. Take them out. Yeah, that's what they get. <laughs> oh, look at you. Turn him back. You salty now, aren't you? Uh-huh. Salty. Lot's wife, she salt. Turn in pillar. Salt. And I'm laughing, like, look at, look at her. Ooh, that fire hurts, doesn't it? Hurts when you mess with God, doesn't it? God's like, every time you do that, from the little stuff, you're driving on the highway. (laughs) And somebody just pulls over in front of you and you're like, oh, not today, devil. Not today. And you got to get them back. You're tired because you have a get back, a get them back spirit. You're tired because you're, you're stealing something that belongs to God. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You don't have to worry about anybody getting away with anything. That's our biggest concern, isn't it? That if we don't get them back, they're going to get away. With, oh, you're not getting away with that. It's not your role to exact vengeance. Man, that's helpful for me. Let me give you a, should I, should I keep going or should we stop? Let me give you a fourth one. I do this a lot. I, I, try, to, I, try, to, I try to have perfect circumstances instead of trying to, trying to perfect as I go or get better as I go. So in other words, what I'm saying is like, it's a, it's a really exhaustive way of saying, sometimes I lack faith. Like, I really want God to give me all the answers before I actually do what he asked me to do. I need, like, I need details. I need you to show me, God, like, if I take this step, I need to, I need to know where the, where the stone is going to be that I'm going to, where the path is going to be. I need to know where this ends up in five years because I'm the type of person that's like, I like all of everything to line up and be perfect before I go instead of allowing things to get better as I go and to fill in as I go. And that really 
keeps me stuck. And I'm exhausted sometimes because of that. Because it's not faith life. It's my own strength life. Like it's, it's depending on me. It's having to have all of the answers. See, the real enemy of your faith is not doubt. The real enemy of your faith is having to have all the answers. Because faith, the Bible says, is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I knew all of the answers, then faith wouldn't be required. See, God works in this realm and in this space called faith. And very often, stuff doesn't get filled in until I take the first step. The ground doesn't come up and fill in the step until I take it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so very often, I'm stuck. Like, I'm in this position where I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm up here like, yeah, take a step of faith. And I'm in the meantime, I'm having a hard time myself. Why? Because I, just, I, need, I need answers. I need to know what's in front of me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I, I lean on my understanding more sometimes than I trust in him with all of my heart. And I'm fighting against him and I'm defeat, it's self-defeating. Because I can't get what he has until I do what he tells me to do. Nehemiah in, chap, in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says that as they were building the wall, the holes in the wall were filled. See, very often when you don't step forward, it's because there are a lot of holes, maybe in your plan, holes in your vision, and you don't step forward. But the only way the holes get filled is if you start building the wall. Some things don't get clear until you start to do them. You have to take that risk. It's trust in God. Trust in him. Don't lean on your own understanding. And here's the last one, and I'll let you go. Will you stand on your feet? Like I said, there's 13. <laughs> These are just five. And maybe this last one has a lot to do with why I created a list. But we'll get to that another time. The fifth one is this, obsessing over my mistakes. Do you know that, that obsessing over your mistakes is actually a subtle form of pride. <laughs> because in obsessing over your mistake, you think you're incapable of making a mistake. So I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself for making a mistake. Why? Because I thought I was incapable of making that mistake. I thought I was above that. Have you ever, have you ever done something and thought, My, I thought I was older than that. Like I thought I'd be... 41 years old and I'm still doing that? Like, and obsessing over it and like beating yourself up over it doesn't help you get through it because if you obsess over your mistakes, it's very likely that you're not open about your mistakes. And Proverbs tells us that if you will not confess your sin, you can't receive mercy. When you hold your sin in because you're, you're embarrassed of it, when you keep your mistakes to yourself because you're worried about what other people will think about you and you're obsessing over it, 
You can't receive the mercy you need in that time of trouble. And so no wonder you're tired. You're tired because you're having to hide who you really are. Why am I so tired? I'm so tired because I have never really fully, authentically been myself in front of anybody. Not even my spouse because there are some things that if she knew, if she knew some stuff about me, she would even be like, oh, I don't know about that, better or worse. Like, So, man, I have to be completely honest and open before somebody. Why not do it with God who already knows it anyway? He's not shocked by it. But he still says, in order to be really free from it, you have to confess confess it. So what do I do, man? I stop obsessing over my mistakes by confessing my mistakes. I talk to God about it. And then when I talk to God about it, I move on. There are so many men right now, you are stuck and you're tired because you are hanging on to your past. I call it misguided perseverance. Like you are persevering in something that God has told you to let go of. And I think sometimes because we have this feeling as men, like we're not supposed to quit, we're not supposed to give up, like we have this feeling like we're almost supposed to fix our past before we can move on from our past. But you cannot fix it. My dad said it like this, you cannot unscramble eggs. Can't do it. It's impossible. So what do I do with it? I don't wallow in it. I don't lay around in it. I repent of it. And when I repent, I get up and I move on from it. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he said, brothers, he said, this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind me, and I press forward to the things that are ahead. I want to tell you something, men. You need to understand this because it's exhausting trying to hold on to your, your future and your past at the same time. It's exhausting. And the thing here, here's the reason you got to let go of your past. Because the thing that God has for you is so incredible that you need both of your hands to hold it. It doesn't just fit in one hand. So you can't hold on to your past and you can't hold, you gotta let something go. And so many times we sacrifice our future to hang on to our past. But I came to declare to you today that your past is over, it's gone, it's been washed away. Grab a hold of your future right now with both of your hands. Grab a hold of your wife with both of your, your family with both of your hands. Stop living in, I wish I could have, I wish I should I would have, I would have, I could have, I could And stop, stop, wherever they are, wherever your marriage is, wherever your kids are, grab a hold of it. With, give all of your energy to your present. Don't give any of your energy to your past. You're wasting it. You're fighting against God because if God forgets it, you need to forget it. If God has moved on, then you have every right to move on. If God isn't holding it against you, then why are you holding it against yourself? You got to move on. Stop defeating yourself by living in your past. Stop wasting the energy that you need for today by living in yesterday. Father, in Jesus' name. I'm asking for every man, like Psalm 145 and 14 says, it says that the Lord upholds 
all of those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. I wonder maybe if you're, you're in this room today and you're a dad or, or maybe you're just a man in this room today and this is applying to you and you're feeling the, you're feeling God talking to you right now. Maybe you could put your heart in a bowed down position or maybe you just want to physically, we did in first service, some men just physically got on, on their knees. Some men bowed down, some men turned around and they knelt at their chair. I don't know what you want to do right now, but I encourage you to find yourself in a bowed down place, whether it's physically or in your heart. Because the Bible says he raises up all of those who are bowed down. And so, Lord, we humbly come before you today, declaring our dependence on you to just be a man, just less a father and a husband. The book of Job said, every man born of a woman is full of trouble, and that is the truth. Our days have been full of trouble, full of difficulty, not just the past few months. Our, our lives have remnants of, of difficulty and pain and struggle in all of them. But God, you raise up those who are bowed down. And right now we bow our hearts, we bow our knee, we bow our lives, we bow, we just, we bow, we get before you. We, we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Help us to stop wrestling against you. Help us to stop warring against our own future in Jesus' name. Deliver us from us in the name of Jesus. Help us to believe the gospel over our own lives in Jesus' name we pray. And every dad, every man, every mom, every person in the room said amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and thank God.